This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Good morning and welcome to the house of the Lord. As we continue our sermon series this morning on the Savior that we needed, today we see that the Savior we needed was one who came to bring sight for the blind. And we're led to worship and praise the God who has enlightened us. Today's gospel reading and the words that will serve as our sermon text from John chapter 9 Verses 1 through 39. As Jesus was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that God's works might be revealed in connection with him. I must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and spread the mud on the man's eyes. Go, Jesus told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and those who had seen him before this as a beggar asked, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said he is the one. Others said no, but he looks like him. He kept saying, I am the one. So they asked him, how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man who is called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is he? They asked. I don't know, he said. They brought this man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes So the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man told them. I washed and now I see. Then some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others were saying, how can a sinful man work such miraculous signs? There was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? The man replied, He's a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they summoned the parents of the man who had received his sight. They asked them, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? How is it then that he can see now? We know that this is our son, his parents answered, and that he was born blind, but we do not know how he can see now or who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's old enough. He'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That's why his parents said he is old enough, ask him. So for a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. They told him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know if he's a sinner. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I already told you and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? They ridiculed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we do not know where he comes from. That's amazing, the man answered. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. 
We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to anyone who worships God and does his will. From the beginning of time, no one has ever heard of anyone opening the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were entirely born in sinfulness, yet you presume to teach us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. When he found him, he asked, do you believe in the Son of God? Who is he, sir? The man replied, that I may believe in him. Jesus answered, you have seen him, and he is the very one who is speaking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he knelt down and worshipped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world in order that those who do not see will see and those who do see will become blind. The word of our God. To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Amen. My dear friends in Christ, back in my childhood, I went through a little phase where I was fascinated by the concept of blindness. See, there was this new family that had joined our church back then. It was a mom and a dad and their four boys. All four of the sons were sighted, but both of the parents were completely blind. And I was fascinated by the way they were able to move around with such agility, sweeping their red and white cane back and forth, looking for obstacles. I was fascinated by their music ability. The wife and mother was one of our regular organists at church, memorized all of the songs and all of the hymns that my dad chose for the Sunday. I was also fascinated by their sense of humor. Sometimes at church, someone would be having a conversation with that woman, and as she listened, she would say, oh, I see, and then she'd smile and say, well, not really. It impressed me the way they learned how to navigate their way through life in spite of their blindness. And yet, as well as they adapted, I'm pretty sure that if someone who had the almighty power to do so would have said to them, would you like to see? They would have eagerly said, yes. To see what their four boys looked like for the first time in their lives, to be able to take in and appreciate a, a sunset on a beautiful summer evening. Well, that kind of a dream became a reality for this man of our text. But not just for him, it's become a reality for every single one of us too. We have been gifted with eyes that see Jesus as the Savior whom we needed. We see him this morning as the one who gives sight for the blind. You know what's one of the most striking things about this text? It's this, that other than Jesus, this blind man is the only one who's able to see things clearly. The disciples saw this man born blind, but 
They see him only as someone who is forced to beg in order to survive. Someone who is in some way connected with some particular devastating sin. They saw him as someone who is being penalized either from some sin that he committed or some sin that his parents committed. That's an assumption that has a tint of arrogance to it, right? I must not have done anything nearly so bad because I can see. The disciples were blind to the opportunity that Jesus saw to put the glorious and powerful works of God on display in this man's life. So Jesus said it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that God's works might be revealed in connection with him. And the Pharisees, their blindness in this text is tragic, right? Standing right before their very eyes is this man, blind from birth, who now sees. And the Pharisees, determined not to be confused by the facts of what had unfolded, refused to see the miraculous power by which this man had been healed in his impossible-to-refute story. I mean, he stood there and told them in the simplest of terms, one thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. And yet in their own blindness, the, the Pharisees choose to dismiss it all, dismiss any possibility that this Jesus from Nazareth was in fact the Christ, the Son of the living God. And they summarily threw this man out of the synagogue. Blind. But then there's this man never told his name. He began that day the way that he began his life. He was blind. He's unable to see. But he ended the day seeing things with crystal clarity, and I'm not just talking about his vision. You know, you read through this text and you rejoice to see the way that his faith just starts blooming right before our very eyes. Notice the progression. When his friends and neighbors asked him how his eyes were opened in verse 11, he simply gave credit to the man who is called Jesus. It's about all he knew of him at this point. This one who had made a mud pack and applied it to his eyes. We aren't told why, presumably so that this man who couldn't see could feel what was happening so that he'd know beyond the shadow of a doubt exactly who healed him. And Jesus told him to go and wash in the pool at Siloam, and he did. And then he could see. And then this man is dragged in for questioning by the Pharisees. And good thing he was because it forced him to kind of step back and really think about what had happened, or, or more importantly, to think about the one who had made it happen. And when the Pharisees press him about who it was that healed him, now he doesn't refer to Jesus as a man from Nazareth. He rather says of Jesus, he's a prophet. But he's still not there. And then we're told Jesus went and found him. And then Jesus found him, found him for the faith. We're told that Jesus had cured his blindness, but then Jesus cured his blindness and gave him eyes of faith, sight for the blind. And he wanted to know, sir, do you believe in the Son of God? Who is he, he says in the desperation. It's me, Jesus said. 
And then this man, who's now a child of God, said, Lord, I believe, and knelt down and, and worshiped Jesus, and rightly so. That's the Savior he needed, one who gives sight for the blind. And if the story had ended right there, it would lead us rejoicing to know about another jaw-dropping, glory-revealing miracle that Jesus performed. But it didn't end there. Jesus has one more thing to say, and it leads me, and I pray it leads you too, to do a little soul-searching. In the last verse of our text, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, in order that those who do not see will see, and those who do see will become blind. And with that statement, <clears throat> with that statement, Jesus is asking us, in effect, where are your blind spots in life? Blind spots, of course, when we're driving. Sometimes we're unaware of a vehicle in the lane right next to us. We can't see it in the side mirror. We didn't notice it as we looked over our shoulder, but it's right there, usually on our rear corner bumper in our blind spot. Where are your blind spots in life? Did you notice in verse 39 there that Jesus divides everyone in the world into one of two different groups? We're going to flip them around from the order that Jesus used. So group number one, Jesus describes at the end of verse 39 as those who do see will become blind. These are people who presume to see everything with clarity in life, but in fact misjudge pretty much everything. These are people who are blind to their own blindness. Jesus, of course, is directly applying this to the Pharisees. They were sighted, of course, and yet, in fact, even though they'd seen the results of this miracle that Jesus had performed, who had healed this blind man, they tragically refused to see Jesus as the Savior God had sent, the Savior whom we needed. And they remained spiritually blind. But I think there's a warning for us here, too, friends. We see, blessed with the eyes of faith, but isn't it possible that we could start to take Jesus for granted and focus only on things in our physical life and get all wrapped up in the busyness of this life and start to lose our spiritual focus? And then our spiritual vision begins to deteriorate. We stop seeing how badly we need Jesus, how we cannot live without him. When we don't apply his law personally to our own hearts and lives and just assume it was someone else who sinned or their parents, then we become blind to our personal need for forgiveness we were born in sin and daily sin against our God. And we start to think that we're so much better than others who are living these openly reprobate lives. And we begin to lose sight of the mercy that the God of heaven and earth has shown to us personally. That's spiritually dangerous. And will ruin your spiritual eyesight. And then there's group two. 
It's made up of people Jesus described as those who do not see will see. Now, as humbling as it may be initially to admit membership in that particular group, it's a far better place to be. It's a group made up of people who freely and openly confess that they were born spiritually blind into this world, blind to any of God's eternal truths. It's a group of people who understand that they can take no credit for their miraculous ability to see. But they know, like this man of our text, that their cure came as the result of mercy and the amazing grace of their powerful God. It's a group of people made up of those who understand that they are not perfect, but they are perfectly forgiven. It's a group of people who understand that they are works in progress, who are growing in the grace and knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a group of people who freely admit that they often struggle with blind spots in their life, times when they don't see things as they ought to through the lens of God's word who understand that there are blind spots in their lives that only the Lord Jesus can help us with as he works in our hearts. I'm in that group. So are you. Today we're celebrating that our Savior came bringing sight for the blind. Like he went and found this man, Jesus Christ came and found you. He saw you in your spiritual blindness begging for mercy. And he loves you so much that he refused to leave you in that blindness. He found you and gave you eyes of faith. And this great God and Savior has opened your eyes to see what you need most in life. And it's him. And he gives you these eyes of faith not only to read but to believe, to take to heart the promises that he makes to you here in his inspired word, the Bible. He has opened your eyes so that you now see yourself through the mirror of his law. So that every day you take stock of the way in which you've offended him and repent of your sin and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He's opened your eyes to see what he did for you at the cross and to make it the center of your life, that cross where he paid for your sins, that empty tomb where he guaranteed your everlasting life. This great Savior has opened your eyes to see opportunities all around you to do what this no longer blind man did, to open up your mouth and to tell others of the miraculous deeds of your God, the one who healed you. He's opened your eyes to see this Savior in his unstoppable grace so that you want nothing more in your life to do what this man did, to fall to your knees to gather here every week with your brothers and sisters to worship the one who has given you this spiritual sight, these eyes of faith, and all the blessings that come along with Jesus. To say, Lord, I believe. I believe that you healed me from the blindness of sin and unbelief. I believe that you are the light of the world. I believe that you are my everything. And now, through you, I see life in a whole new wonderful way. You know, believer, your life story is really no less dramatic nor different than this unnamed man of our text. 
right? Born with sin, blind to spiritual truth, found by Jesus, who healed you, gave you eyes of faith, forgave you, saved you. And now thanks to Jesus, in the simple humility of faith, you know that you can sum up your life story the very same way that this formerly blind man summed up his. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Amen.